Heaven High. Heaven High. Welcome. Welcome to Rum Doings, episode 216. Rum Doings at something.com, Twitter, the Facebook. You agreed not to do that funny joke anymore. It's not funny. It's not a joke. I genuinely can't remember the things. Because you're... Better listen to my early morning voice. Because you're an old man now, aren't you? A very, very old man who can't remember anything. I'm confused by the technologies. Yeah. I don't understand you kids with your tweet face and your, your, your... grinders and your european unions oh you young ones with your your tapping away at your telephones and i don't know playing heroin on your playstation what's the topic today the topic today is is it now time to introduce the death penalty for recording a song that sounds a bit like another song I, I'm going to commit a capital offence now. Are you oh, ready? Oh, you mustn't. Oh, I'm sorry. That's... Uh, in 40 or 50 years' time, you're in so much trouble. <laughs> it is quite funny. What would the aliens think just before... They, 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 yeah. they're, they're looking at the remnants of whatever's left of our culture just before the sun explodes, and they're making a little visit... And they realised that we were fighting about the the different ways we could make air vibrate, which own which were owned by different monkeys rather than other monkeys. It's good times. Anyway, you're discussing the topic. Stop it. <laughs> it is a fun topic. <laughs> so, everything's good at the moment. Yes, there's nothing going wrong in the world. No, That's good news. Nothing to talk about. So uh... that's right. It's a really tough one. Well, I guess we could talk about TV shows. Or... <laughs> yes. Uh... I will say, though, that this uh, we must be careful not to fall into the Bulger syndrome. It, Which is what? All children are about to die because Jamie Bulger died. Yeah, and all MPs are about to die because Joe Cox yeah, died. No. You know, the, it's it, piecing together things. It sounds like this was a gentleman with severe mental problems who uh, also happened to fixate those mental problems on various forms of white nationalism. That doesn't mean that every single person who visits an MP surgery is now going to shoot them. You know, we need we, no, this is true. we need to be but careful. It, it, I agree, but it also, you know... Crack puts a crack in that door that we didn't know could open. It's it's yucky. Mm, I, I I'm not even going to say a crack. I don't think I don't think this is going to lead to a spate of MP killings. Oh no no I don't. Think and so therefore either. there isn't it's a crack. It's not. It's just it it's just a uh, it's just a freak. It's a it's as it's as like saying imagine that she she were walking outside a constituency and an oak tree fell on her and then saying well all oak trees need to be felled now because they're going to fall on all our MPs. It's a, it's about as rational as saying that. So no, I disagree. What I do find interesting though is it shows that there were useful, interesting, personable and 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 uh, principled people who could have led the Labour Party out there so why did we have the those idiots who stood and the profound idiot who won that's what it makes me wonder how many other people are out there quietly being far 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 better than anybody in the leadership position now there seems to be quite a few of them yeah lots of them in new intake last year unfortunately well maybe this means that the future is brighter for that party than we thought because let's be honest difficult to find the equivalent in the conservative party at the moment because they're all nutters this is this is a point that i i made on twitter and i i think you might have even retweeted and i've told other people about it but i was just thinking how quickly something that was beyond the pale anathema uh, 
as a political opinion can suddenly be, can become mainstream. For example, um, 10, 15, 20 years ago, even Eurosceptics, if they wanted to be considered rational, never said, we want to pull out of the EU completely. It was always renegotiate. Yes. Let's, yes. let's, let's, let's make it more market driven. Let's use our veto more, blah, blah, blah. That's what it was. The few people who actually wanted to remove themselves from the European Union entirely, remember what John Major called them? I, I, don't, I can't he remember. He called them the nutters. That's right. You know, those were the nutters. That was, that was the bon cuckoo, uh, tambourine banging opinion <laughs> that no rational person will have. Now, most of the Conservative Party has that opinion, including many people on its front bench. And it seems like more than half the country does. And it looks more than likely that come next Thursday, we will have voted for something that 20 years ago was a, was a few mad men's opinions, which gives pause, I think. <laughs> yes. It's um, but there's something I remember. We've discussed this. I can't remember if I discussed it or I'm doing stuff. I've ranted about it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, from 2007 ish, I would say there was a resurgence. Now, obviously, this was done in the 90s as well. I'm not pretending it's new, but in 2007 there was a resurgence of uh, the uh, the immigrants are asylum seekers, and and so so we we, we took the word asylum seeker and we turned it into a negative. Was, was this just before the crash or around the crash? Well, this is when David Cameron came into leadership. Um, and there was a big push to, to start turning the word asylum seeker into a negative. And then the immigration, so we started to talk about immigration and immigrants became this, this really negative term. So all these terms that should, should have been positive, immigrant, uh, asylum seeker, a refugee, all these words that should be, you know, p- should cause pull on our heartstrings rather than... Uh, raise our ire were they started a, a, a long a long years long campaign to make them into really bad things. i think you're seeing the, I, I, the, the fruit of that i don't think it's 2007 i mean i remember university in 94 95 there was a seriously did i did, did you really just ignore the bit where i said yeah. obviously this happened in the 90s there were people well. who uh, there were people even in university you know <laughs> people who were, were friends who were going on about how we're too full and the immigrants they yes need to stop i'm saying i so said I that think... it happened in the 90s and there was a resurgence well, started I, around no, i'd like to see evidence that it was a resurgence and not just a stable a stable line of bigotry uh, it was i need evidence was... that there was a resurgence it was the point at which the the Conservative Party reconfigured into a force that could take power, basically. No, that's not true. At that point, Cameron was playing big society, compassionate conservatism game. That's wrong. Remember, that was it. We were going to be the greenest party ever. And, and yeah. Theresa May was talking about decontaminating the nasty Tory brand. Uh, we but said we are the nasty t- party. So, no, I disagree. I mean, that, that can't have been... They were, they, 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 were, they were rhetorically the opposite at that point, surely. I disagree. You, what, you disagree that that's, that's the rhetorical game they were playing? I remember that, that. Yes, I do. I remember that was the thing. But at Hug the same hoodie, time... remember? Is, yes, I do remember. But I think you're, that was a few years later. No, it wasn't a few years later. And uh, then, if I remember correctly, William Hague with his baseball cap. <laughs> yes, we can't... We can't, uh, we can't you're just randomly jumping around the years now. Are you trying but to anyway. deny William Hague wore a baseball cap? No, I'm not denying that. I'm just saying that happened quite a few years earlier. Anyway, the point is there's been a very long campaign to, to make these into negative terms to, and to make immigration this, this really negative thing. And it's succeeded and it's won. And now we're seeing the, the fruit of that campaign. Well, no, I don't think it's a campaign. It's something that's happened since the 
begin well forever i mean the 19th century the the early 20th century when when the jews immigrated here from the pogroms in russia there were there were campaigns um well that's different because they the were irish Jewish. campaigns Come the, on. You know, there's constant campaigns I, I just i need to see some evidence that anything extraordinary happened i don't think anything extraordinarily did happen I think what happened was a, is, a concerted in a, in a sense, that's a more interesting story that nothing a concerted effort. God, you're tiresome. A concerted effort by the right wing press no. and the conservative, uh, the conservatives who finally kind of came back together as one whole, as you say, f- having flipped from uh, the, the the few nutters to the majority opinion. No, um, but there's. I think there's also a different. I, I, I'm. I find this whole narrative on the European Union very strange and i'll tell you why um surely uh, and i've I've wondered this in their heart of hearts um ukip and big tories what they really don't want is more browns here that's what they don't want surely Mm -hmm. yeah in which case why are uh, and they also they know that the browns are having more babies so that's their primary issue okay let's cut especially muslim browns so therefore surely um inviting lots of pale christians from eastern europe into this country to to dilute all the muslim browns is a clever thing to do why are they (laughs) even the most vehemently opposed to that and they're kind of then giving even though it's not true but they're giving rhetoric rhetoric to oh well we'll get more people from the commonwealth that doesn't make sense to what i understand is that, that their true fear and racism I genuinely have never understood that one. I think something changed. I think their racism broadened. There was something about, oh, your telephone. It's yours. <sighs> it's not mine. It something about the, uh, the the racism broadened to include Eastern Europeans. Yes, but it's it's almost that that's is the primary one now. That's what I, it's yeah. so strange. Mm. And I don't understand what caused it, whether it's just fear of numbers Maybe maybe it's fear that you can't spot them if they're you know if they're in the streets you can't immediately tell the difference. Well, that is maybe that scares. No, them. that is that is a very very primal racial racist fear, and indeed is mm. the. It, you, you, I don't know if you remember uh, in in Merchant of Venice Shakespeare's uh, gets Shylock to say hath not a Jew eyes etc etc and. Shylock apparently goes on to show to discuss exactly how Jews are very similar to real people. Uh, right. And this is then simperingly reinterpreted by 20th century people who are trying to rehabilitate Shakespeare as, oh, look, you see, he's expressing the Jews' common humanity and therefore... More interestingly, and the more I've looked at it, uh, and I've done quite a lot of analysis of its historical interpretation and so on, it's more like, beware, it's not like the Blackamoors who are discussed in other parts of Shakespeare's work. You can't just see them and then know there's a danger. They can mind meld their way into normal society they're just pale enough even though their noses are quite big to to (laughs) to look like real people the devil is within and that makes them more dangerous because then when they do revenge which is seething inside them you won't know what's about to hit you and perhaps it's a perhaps it is the Mm. same you have these these people who look pale they look like they could almost from the home counties but when they open their mouths and that guttural polish evil spews out <laughs> post-gasklep then you know that it's too late but uh, it still is a it's, it's a strange race well maybe it's a, maybe that's good news maybe it shows that the the racists are broadening their palate 
<laughs> How is this good news? Sorry. Well, it, it, at some point, the palette will become so broad that they'll either have to admit that they hate everybody or their whole theory of hierarchy will just break down. They'll turn in on themselves. Yes. Well, that's usually what happens. You get more and more minute in, 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 intra-group uh, differentiation until the whole thing falls apart. Okay, I want to scare the listener. Give me a worst-case scenario. Um, so uh, while you know, I realise that these are things are less hypothetical as we go, um, mm. chances are it looks like Brexit vote will win at this point, which is incredibly frightening. I say that, you can't, it feels like it's too big a thing just to say in yeah. a sentence. No, but... Yes, you're right. It would be irrational <coughs> at the moment to predict a Leave win. Uh, sorry, a, uh, a Remain win. So t- let's, after that has happened... And now I give you uh, a President Trump. Tell me your worst case scenario. What happens next on planet Earth? I don't. Uh, I, President uh, Trump's not going to win. But OK, you some weird thing. happens. Yeah, well, you were very you were equally convinced no, no. that uh, Brexit wouldn't Trump, win. So. Trump won't win. And I don't think I also substantially don't think that Trump is a problem. I don't think he's a problem. I think he will be dealt with. It's not a it's not a you know, people are going on. Oh, look, it's going to be fascism in America. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's well, no, I don't think there's going to be fascism in America, but I think there's going to be a drift. No, I don't. I disagree. I disagree. I think his presidency will be disastrous for the Republican Party. The Republicans already hate him. Uh, and so he'll be stabbed in the back almost immediately. He's a stupid man. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but what? But he's also he's not an ideological man at all. Uh, do, no. uh, so I, I have absolutely no fear that uh, Trump will do anything other than cause a, a few months of turmoil. That's not the issue. Uh, be, be, and, and again, I'm usually I'm not afraid of anything where four years later you can deal with a problem. Um, I am afraid about Brexit because there is no four years, five years, ten years, a generation later. That's it. Um, and it's it's funny. I was I was thinking that what's what's the the, the, the problem has already happened with this Brexit debate and so on, even if we manage to scrape through. Um, what's Britain's kind of brand? What's its selling point? Its selling point is that we kind of muddle along. We don't do any histrionic sort of uh, revolutionary things. So that, our, that yes. and that's why our bond markets are, are very good. You know, people will... People will buy property, buy government bonds and guilds in the United Kingdom because we've plodded along for, for many centuries. The last time anything exciting happened was a civil war and we dealt with that within within a few years. You know, nothing. Things are gradual. We have the, the tradition of the common law rather than a written constitution that keeps being amended. It's, a, it, it's not like France or Italy. Whereas the point about what's happened in this, um, in, in this referendum is that we are acting like France or Italy which is kind of ironic bearing in mind what the discussion's about <laughs> uh, in that this constitution is one of sorry this, this this referendum is one of the most uh continental european things we've done in ages which is again a big irony and so the whole brand britain as a, a solid and dull pair of hands a in other words a slightly older slightly more interesting slightly more storied belgium is, right. is 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 destroyed by this and you can see it happening now the way the pound is is collapsing the way that uh gov- government bonds are going up the way that uh people are beginning to even pull out of bits of property investment and so on now that's happening now what's going to happen if there is brexit 
because there is another sentimental thing that uh, some of the Brexiteers like and that they say, well, actually, our special relationship is with America. We're, so they're, they're Atlanticists. And so they say once that that's that's where we'll build our relationship. But what they don't understand is the degree to which the special relationship exists anymore. Uh, and mm-hmm. with Obama, it exists even less because he's he doesn't like uh, Britain very much is that we are an English speaking gateway to the European Union. We get rid right. of that status and we just become a cul-de-sac. Suddenly, mm. there's not really much point in uh, America maintaining any sort of special relationship. So that, the transatlanticists are kind of shooting themselves in the foot by thinking that we become more transatlantically focused by severing uh, the connecting services to the European Union. It's like an airline saying, well, people like us because we're a, uh, a good hub for lots of other places. So let's close down all the connecting flights and then that'll make us more popular. I mean, so so beyond any and, and so even if we don't talk about specific things that are going to happen or specific policy implications or the turmoil of the renegotiations of all the trade agreements, uh, somebody made a good point that actually other nations and their relationships with one another are not that sophisticated. They kind of take the temperature uh, and in quite a simplistic, impressionistic way of what a nation is once every 10, 20 years. And that's the snapshot they carry with them, either explicitly or implicitly, when they make decisions about how to relate to that nation. And at the moment, that snapshot is being taken of Britain as a peculiarly divided, uh, irrational place where people act capriciously and kill MPs. Now, of course, what I said at the beginning, if mm. we're being rational about it, the, the, the killing of the MP is, is it's a bulger situation. But it's just happened at this moment, the week before, it's going to be part of that snapshot about yeah, impressionism. Yes. So worst case scenario, I think that um, we could uh, have a, a massive economic collapse and a depression because the things that hold up uh, Britain's economy are largely based on the mythos of Britain. There is actually nothing inherently special or peculiar about London other than the stories that it tells about itself and people tell about it and the connections that it has with the rest of the world and the rest of Europe. If we smash that story and we smash those connections, then London is damaged. And if London is damaged, then God help the rest of the United Kingdom. So that's my worst case scenario. Then, of course, what's uh, as for what happens with immigration, who knows? Who knows? I assume nothing, because I can't understand how changing, leaving Europe would actually make any difference to it whatsoever. Well, for somebody made a very interesting point. Of, uh, it was actually Andrew Neil who made a point of Farage. So, you know, Farage is pretending that he's, he likes brown people. So he says, well, yes. actually, well, actually, what we want to do, as I said at the beginning of this, what we want to do is if we stop automatic right of immigration, uh, free, free movement across the European Union, then we can be more friendly to the Commonwealth and invite more people from the Commonwealth. So you see, yes. I like brown people. And then Andrew Neil said, well, yeah, nearly 200,000 people came from, uh, 168,000 or something came from the European Union last year, and 180-something thousand came from non-European Union immigration. And you say you want 10 or 20,000 net immigration. So, mm-hmm. so let's assume that we cut the 180,000 from the European Union. You've still got 180, 190,000 from non-European Union. Uh, so... How how are you going to be more generous 
to the uh, Commonwealth by cutting that number by 90%. And Farage said, look, Andrew. He said, Farage said, look, Andrew, I'm just going to have a fag and a pint of beer. It's, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I feel like I'm just going to lapse into, into trite observations, but... Okay, go on then. Trite observations can be fun. May I? Yes, uh, you may, just as a part of therapy. Thanks. I was just thinking to myself before we started this that I think that rum doings is a bit like your, your weekly therapy session. So when, when we don't do it, you get quite agitated because you haven't seen your therapist. Yes, ditto. Anyway, um, well, I actually have a real therapist, which helps. No, I'm better um, than your real therapist. You are much better, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, and I'm far the, cheaper. <laughs> this is, that, that is actually yeah. Um So my trite observation is that there's sort of, I think there's some sort of psychic horror that I'm experiencing that we're about to make this decision based on a really, really obvious lie. Mm-hmm. And that I find really unsettling. There isn't an Im- a problem with immigration. The numbers coming in are perfectly fine. Yeah. No one is. No one's lives have been negatively affected by immigration, other than the immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't anyone who's lost their job because of uh, Polish immigrants. That, well, let's, that not say there, no, let's not say there. Okay. Isn't, let's not say there isn't anyone because you open hostage fortune. Let's say the numbers yeah. are, are 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 a rounding error. It's a true. You know. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. So yeah, there'll be uh, some bloke special who was cases, yeah, yeah, and he was lazy and useless at his job, and they finally fired him when someone better came along who just happened to have a different accent, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. and he's going to say, "Oh, bloody immigrants," yeah. Um, but so, but the numbers coming, we're not running out of room, we're not running out, we're running out of housing for very specific reasons that have nothing to do with immigration. Yeah, um, there are we are having problems with school places that have nothing to do with immigration. We're having trouble in hospitals that have nothing to do with immigration. Um, and blaming it on immigration, just all that does is guarantee that none of those problems will be addressed. No, again, again, I think you need to be careful. I think you need to be Go careful on. about that. I would say that there are certain pockets where um, the uh, sudden influx of a migrant community has put pressure on services. Uh, the responsive way of dealing with that is to increase the capacity of those services. It's not... Uh, it's not particularly complicated and there is an additional tax intake uh net there's a net tax intake from migrants so that should be more than possible um so what that suggests is that the the government has been complacent and irresponsible in not predicting and planning for this but then again to blame migrants for that is stupid because it's if if we are we are probably going to have power oh dear kill him hello toby Yes, <sighs> well, you need to come and talk to Uncle Nick. We are probably... When Judy used to do this. <sighs> Toby, can you tell Uncle Nick about your elbow? No, I don't want to hear about his elbow. Toby, can you say thermometer? <laughs> Very good. Well, the, the, we're probably going to have power cuts next winter because the government failed to predict that closing down lots of coal power stations while closing down some nuclear power stations and not building any other power stations would lead to possible power cuts. That's uh, that's not the fault of a nuclear power station or coal. It's, a, it's the fault of the fact that uh, there hasn't been proper planning for pretty obvious contingencies. So I uh, to, to blame the, the immigrants for the fact that there are, there's pressure on schools and pressure on... Uh, uh, actually, shall we just stop then? 
No, I'm just saying goodbye to Toby. Oh my goodness, this is glorious revenge for a couple of years ago. You used to find it hilarious when Judy did this. Judith was far better behaved than that wretch because because he's he's male. Oh, I see. He's he. Anyway, carry on with your boring thing. I can hear his privileged, toxic masculinity. (laughs) He was mansplaining to me while I was trying to discuss something. (laughs) That's not fair. I mean, he hasn't actually explicitly identified as male, so he may not be male. I apologise. He, he has a wawa at the moment. That's his only identification. That's, nothing, so that's nothing to do with being I male. know. I know. That's all he understands at the moment. That's what I'm saying. You hideous. That, that's all he understands. He it, is the hideous one. It, he is the hideous it, one. Sorry. It. Anyway, yeah. stop your nonsense. So, so I, I, that, my, my point was, I don't think you should pretend that there, in in all cases, there has been no pressure that can be okay. Okay, to. okay. But what I'm saying is, it's 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 much more complex than the look at these hordes of wasters who have come along and pushed all the nice British people out of the way. It's completely their fault. But of course, to have to discuss it at that nuance, people go blah 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 blah. Mm. I'm just going to bring my son in to talk about his elbow. That's that that's pretty much that's what pretty much what people do. I was not coping. My racism was not coping. Uh, because people don't want to discuss complexity and nuance. I mean, Dr. Goldacre showed that. You can't discuss things in a nuanced or complex way. It's, it's, it's impossible to do that in the normal democratic discussion. Uh, people blame politicians for sound bites, but actually mm-hmm. sound bites are the only way that the electorate can understand and discuss things. It's as simple as that. And unfortunately, uh, there are juicier sound bites to be had. Yes. Uh, with this particular angle so that's good it's good isn't it so the incredible stupidity of the human race but also the brexit campaign has been a better campaign oh yes definitely Uh, but it doesn't help that you've got leader of opposition who very clearly wants to leave the eu who has to pretend that he doesn't who is incompetent even when he does believe in things passionately and is unable to express that belief in a way that is persuasive so when he actually doesn't believe the things he's being forced to say well you don't need to imagine what would happen it's happened yeah and it's you know and unfortunately the internet has a permanent record and so we can all go back and watch clips of him in the 80s railing against the eu i i i actually blame corbyn for this more than pretty much Oh, i think so too i think when in when all is done and dusted we can when it's all settled we can look back and go yeah yeah. Thanks, Mr. Corbyn. Thanks for, you know, so what's happened is you've got the Conservative Party in this bizarre situation of, of being completely split down the middle and fighting with itself and yet still being the dominant power in this debate. Um, and Cameron and Osborne providing compelling reasons to stay in the in the EU, but burying them beneath threats and, and what the... Yes. Uh, the, the fear mongers call Project Fear. The, that, that mm. by the way, I think is the cleverest thing the Brexiters did. It is very um, clever. It's labelled the other side Project Fear. That was a very clever it piece. It is. Of, People of don't politics. understand that the rhetoric, just labelling things, mm. is the cleverest thing you can do. It's like Trump with his crooked Hillary tag. Yeah. You know, and then and then Hillary went on about and some of the people put out some sort of bland ten paragraph discussion of Trump as a demagogue. Blah. Nobody cares. What they hear is crooked Hillary and it sticks. Project well, she's, Fear. She's only just in the last couple of weeks she's realised that and she started referring to him essentially as Hitler and that's beginning to get some traction. Um, she's realised it's a one word thing. You just say Hitler and then mm. and, and then people go, oh yeah, Trump Hitler, and that starts to become an association. <laughs> Although actually he's not he's not like Hitler. He's like Mussolini. Yeah, well, hmm. there is a difference because Mussolini. No, no, wait. Mussolini but I'm was saying a true one fascist. is a more, one is a more powerful rhetoric. That's what I I'm know. Saying. I know. So yeah, so the the very clever labelling of the side that isn't dishing out most of the fear called them Project Fear, but. 
at the same time, unfortunately, they play into it with these ridiculous. Yeah, but if you know, if we if we vote to leave, it's going to cost every household thirty billion pounds a day, and you know, this stop it because that's what leave were doing are doing and keep getting caught on it the 350 million a week thing has 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 backfired finally on them and and so when osborne starts doing the same thing it's so frustrating because they could have been well i don't think they could okay sorry i'm gonna try and get my argument straight i don't think cameron and osborne could have been the 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 side that gives the positive affirmative reasons for staying in the european union no because because they've been dissing it for too long as well that could have been labor that could have been anyone other than corbyn and i think that when cameron agreed to the uh referendum in the back of his mind he was talking well okay Labour will do the positive stuff. Yes. They'll, they'll yes. be pumping. The, no, I really do. And I think they'll no, be. No, I agree with you. They'll be manning your pumps. And I'll be talking about the sober economics of it. And between us, we will uh, appeal to um, British yeah. scepticism and general let's not create a fuss. But uh, that nobody was manning the pumps on that side. And I think, you know, if, if, if uh, Cameron had looked to the future and had realised that Corbyn would be in charge, I think he would have fought actually agreeing to this referendum. I don't think it's fair to ask Cameron to have looked to the future and seen Cor- Jeremy no, no, Corbyn no, but being I, no, in charge of the Labour No, of course, of course, nobody saw that. But I think had he, had he realised that there would be something like this, he would never have called the referendum. I mean, he, was, he, was, well, he indeed, took a stupid he risk. But, but yes. I think he thought it wasn't... He thought, like, like with the Scottish referendum, I thought he thought, look... This is easy. We'll give them what they think they want. It'll be dealt with and that'll be it for the for, for, for the next couple of generations. And then finally we can stop talking about this because he really, uh, people who, who know about him, he finds this utterly tedious. He, he didn't want this to be a part of his prime ministership at all. And he thought this was an easy sop. Of course. And now there's a double irony. It's likely to be the thing that ends his, his prime ministry and the thing that brings back the possibility of Scottish independence. Yes. And, wow. <laughs> and, and, and the weird thing about that is Cameron is screwed whatever way this election goes, this election, this referendum goes. Right. Because, because if there is a narrow loss, then, of course, he's out and he's the man who uh, created turmoil in Britain. And that's his legacy. If there mm-hmm. is a if there is a narrow win for Remain, then complete and total uh, civil war in the Tory party and he's out. Yeah. So he's, I'm sorry to use hoists and petards here. (laughs) You know, I I do feel it's quite funny looking looking at the people who've come out for um, Remain that's that's upset people. There there was, uh, what was it, Um, Jeremy, Jeremy Clarkson. And James May came out for Remain, and it was quite funny if you look at all the Twitter responses. Uh, you, you, you've, you've stabbed your fellow Brits in the back, blah 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 blah. And it, but I, if you just looked a few years ago, no, um, it's not that surprising. Uh, there, there have been some more surprising people who've come out for uh, for, for for Brexit, perhaps uh, than than that. And there is a strange feeling at the moment that if you I don't know. It's, it, it, it just it just feels that the whole notion of what we thought was politics in this country is, is is crumbling a bit, and I'm finding it all a bit inchoate. Well, uh, to say the thing you told me about the what Clarkson said a few years ago when talking to Farage. No, no, but yes, and and he actually reported this. Farage was was courting was courting Clarkson because of course Clarkson makes yeah, these buffoony yeah. statements all the time. It's his character uh, in both senses of the term. 
And so Farage was saying, okay, this, this could be a big coup for UKIP. So he said, can you mm. be the face of UKIP? And he said, and he said to Farage, uh, no, you don't understand the fact that I, I can be, be rude and call Europeans names and so on is precisely because they are basically family and I am in the position to do that. Um, and you misunderstand completely where I'm coming from in that regard. It's a bit like the fact that, uh, you, you know, uh, black rappers get to use the N word. And nobody else does. Right. Uh, and I think it's that sort of feeling. And so it, was, it didn't surprise me when Cameron et al. came out for Remain. I, I also... You mean, uh, you mean Clarkson? Yeah, for Clarkson. So how did, uh, did, so did, uh, what I imagine happened is Clarkson and, and May came out for Remain. And then a few minutes later, Richard Hammer went, yeah, yeah, I'm for Remain. I'm for Remain. <laughs> exactly. People go, why? And he goes, don't know. <laughs> well, pretty, pretty much precisely that. Yes, they all visited their friend Dave and uh, were all supporting them. And he was yapping in the background. He's, but I think that also uh, that, that, that AA Gill article, you could have predicted mm. AA Gill, which is a, a fairly, uh, a fairly Tory-ish writer would have gone the other way, but he wrote a, exceptionally good piece uh in the sunday times which you forwarded to me which was just so well written and so funny genuinely funny and so bitter and so prophetic that um as i said to you it's a bit like in x factor when people come in and do auditions and in their ear they're mariah carey and everybody else hears a caterwauling mess uh, mm-hmm. similarly i think that uh people like marcus Brigstock and mitch ben uh, yes. When they when they give their rants on the now show, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The, this AA Gill article is what they hear in their ear. There's a now show a U- EU exit special on uh, Sunday. Oh, that's how are they going to do that balanced? I know that's what I thought. The agony of them being balanced. Oh no! <laughs> oh gosh! <sighs> um, Mitch Ben retweeted me the other day. Why? Uh, something I'd said about oh a tweet I'd said about the tragedy of of the, of the Brexit thing, and he uh, I think he just I wish he'd basically my opinion on Mitch Ben is now I wish he could bear a grudge better. Well, he he retweeted you once before, if you remember. I think he did. Yes, there I find is it a, very disappointing. Now, a gentleman I won't mention his name emailed us about the EU referendum and why he's voting exit. Uh, did you you got that email mm-hmm. last night? Um, and. Shall we go through his... Oh, uh, hang on. Last night, I don't think I got an email. I've got no such... He must have sent it just to you. Oh, yes, he did. Maybe he doesn't do. like you. Okay. Fair enough. Well, actually, and he gives... I, I said to him when he said he's, he's... He said, hi, Nick and John. Can both of you go into further details? Either by replying to this moment or on a future episode of why you both support Britain remaining in the EU. I'm currently planning on voting to leave the EU, but I'm open to persuasion. And oh, so, hang on. I remember this. This isn't yeah, from last night. In, no, 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 no. Uh, and then I said on the 8th of June... Hi, uh, hi, hi, A. Let me know why you wish to leave the EU, and yes. that should help the discussion. Then, right. and, oh, so he's replied to that, has he? he yeah, but uh, but he didn't reply all. Hence, I only got the reply. I see. So yes. he goes, "Hi, Nick. So shall I? Shall I give you his yeah, reasons? Then maybe yeah, okay. ma- maybe you will now be convinced to leave." Oh yes, that's true. Okay, here are the, the here are the here are the headings. First heading: democracy. The main reason I've taken the leave stance is down to democracy. For a representative of the people, elected by the people, to make decisions concerning these people. I'm not under any illusions either. Leaving the EU does not suddenly mean that our government will become more competent in representing the people's views, but it is a step in the right direction. Yes, the Yes, the argument could be made that big problems need bigger solutions than Britain can provide by itself, but the EU in its current form isn't it. Democracy 
in this vote is what we are voting for here. And depending on the outcome, the only definite loss or gain. Whereas all other arguments are arguments from trends, not guarantees and can be avoided. Hence for me, why it is the persuading factor. The EU is not undemocratic, it is anti-democratic. France, Netherlands in 2005 voted against amendments to the EU constitution and Greece in 2015 vote against Euro bailouts, but they were ignored. Source, Dan Hannan's book, Why Vote Leave. Remember Dan <laughs> Hannan, the man who wanted to privatise the EU on Fox News those years ago and was found. Yes, their governments sh- shoulder some, if not most, of that responsibility. But why did their leaders choose not to listen to their people? The EU was certainly a factor there. How do you, how do you um, respond to that, John? We're voting for more democracy because, of course, that's exactly what the House of Commons and the House of Lords will give us. I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I want to know how uh, a vote for Brexit uh, d- abolishes the House of Lords. I'm interested to learn this. I'm also interested to know how a vote for Brexit uh, abolishes things like the, the, the latest uh, Snoopers Charter. Because mm. that's democratic. How does it? Yes, I think. Well, just just in one fell swoop, we can remove the illusion of of democracy. We don't have democracy. Once every four five years, we get to choose pick our dictatorship. We don't have democracy, and it's ridiculous to think we do. And thank God we don't have democracy. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh God, democracy is democracy is this referendum. Exactly. Here's what. Here's your democracy right here. We have parliamentary uh, representative. uh, Let's not call it elected dictation. What I would call it is. There is a reto- a reset switch that we can all push hard enough every five years, mm-hmm. and that's it. But which is which is fine. I would suggest that to think that Britain, a const- a, a constitutional monarchy, will with 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 uh, massive uh, class hierarchies. Mm-hmm. And effectively, still the remnants of a feudal system, which is used to the most powerful and richest people in this country's great uh, advantage, would suddenly become a democratic uh, panacea because we leave a trading block and a regulatory union is a bit strange to me. I well, just, it's, it's I simpler. can't see, I can't connect the dots here. Can you it's help simpler, me? John? It's simpler than that. It's uh, we want to become more democratic by removing a massive layer of democracy. And there, there is, you know, you can vote for your MEP and so on. Absolutely. And, and a lot of the EU is bureaucratic and so forth and is subject to um, corruption and lobbying mm-hmm. and so forth. But let's not understate the, uh, the, uh, the uh, MEPs' roles here, they have actually stifled a lot of unpleasant lobbied-for legislation. So uh, what we should actually be doing is campaigning hard for better representation and decontaminative uh, policies within the EU. I'm not sure what leaving our seat at the table and stomping away does to fix that, bearing in mind that we will still be trading with and having to comply with all those regulations the so-called anti-democratic decisions and regulations but just with less of a voice at the table yep. less of a democratic it's, it, what does he think that we're suddenly going to be able to ignore everything the eu says and does at that but point hey, 
but continue we trading with them, but ignoring mm-hmm. all the regular. They'll suddenly say, suddenly the EU will say, okay, now that you've left the EU, it's fine. You can still trade with us, but guess what? You don't have to obey any of our standards and regulations, but just trade with us anyway. Yeah, that's going to happen. All that'll mean is here's all the standards and regulations. You've now got absolutely no say in them at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Good luck with that. And we can arbitrarily add tariffs. So if we want to say from now on, Britain, you have to stand on your head and sing the Marseillaise if you want to sell us your services <laughs> and goods. We can do that. And you know what? There's bugger all you can do about it because you have no seat at the table at all. So how that makes it more democratic and makes our future more democratic, I'm not sure. It also uh, is strange in that... Um, there are far bigger problems with a hierarchy and with uh, the imbalanced concentration of power in all countries. I'm not sure how uh, the EU seems a zero-sum game in that. I think in some ways it helps the concentration and in other ways it dilutes it. So I can't... Please, please pay the devil's advocate here, John, because I genuinely I want to understand the point he's making here. Why are we voting for democracy? What is it? A, we're, we're voting for sovereignty in Parliament, but that's not democracy. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a single person voting Brexit who could tell you what sovereignty actually is. Yeah, well, sovereignty, is, well, the, the, the clues are the word sovereign. Who's our sovereign? Mm, oh, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Um, there's no... No, I can't play devil's advocate for this because it's just, unfortunately, it's a buzzword delusion. But please try to. Please try and... Well, people... Okay, people feel helpless. People feel... That they um, that the things are being done around them, they because they read a lot of lies in, in the newspapers. So you know, oh, we can't, we're not allowed to sell, you know, bendy bananas, blah blah blah. Um, our hoovers, our vacuum cleaners have to have aren't, aren't aren't allowed to be powerful to suck up the dirt, and our kettles can't aren't allowed to boil the water, and blah blah blah. This is absolutely crazy. We need to we need to regain control and power over our own lives. Um, but none of those things are real. None of those things have happened or exist. Um, Hold on, but what about Greece? What about Greece? They uh, voted against the Euro bailouts, but it was forced upon them by... I wouldn't say it was forced upon them by the EU. I would say it was forced upon them by the bankocracy, which might have used some of its agents in the EU. But if if Greece had somehow not been in the EU, do you really think the banks wouldn't have got their... uh, got what they wanted? Do you think they would suddenly be immune from that? I don't think that would have made a difference. Uh, If you're... Again... I don't see... The, the, Greece was loaned a huge amount of money which it squandered in a stupid way as part of um, its its membership of the European Union, as it happened. They screwed that up. They then voted not to pay back that money and they uh, and that was overridden. I, I can't see how... If they'd become an independent nation at that point and said, screw you, we've left the EU, we're not going to pay you back. Do you think everything would have been fine? And the banks would have been... A hearty knock at the door. They said, oh, okay, you're you're your own independent democratic nation now. Don't pay us back. You're all right. We'll just make sure everything's fine for you. Mm -hmm. Please. Please. Greece always had the option to default. It didn't want to because it knew the possible implications of that. And I think that to try uh, to to be so simplistic as to think that the um, banker's kleptocracy is synonymous with the eu and that it would disappear if one uh, formally dissociated with the eu is naive well here's okay here's another perspective on it let's say that the eu was at fault in that case yes and like, no one's arguing the eu is perfect 
and no. indeed it isn't and therefore you need to be a, a voice within it affecting mm. it and changing it this is idea this idea that if you could find the thing now that we haven't in the greece I, your argument is compelling but say you were wrong yeah I say this were something the eu had screwed up that doesn't make a difference that doesn't uh, it's not an argument it's like saying um well it's oh it's fine for me to walk out on my my wife and children because my wife was wrong in this argument we had or let's close down the NHS because that hospital had some crap yeah. nurses in it, yeah. which exactly. people make all the time. It's, of that's course, the daily yeah, mail argument. That. Or yes. indeed, or indeed, let's abolish Parliament and send everything to the EU because of the expenses scandal. Right. So the, you can't say, "Ah, oh, I found a chink in your armor, and therefore we must destroy it all." That's just that's just or, pathetic. There is imperfection in X, therefore yes. let's give let's give everything to Y. Well, let's destroy X. Let's or let's let's remove smash ourselves X complete, to pieces. Or let's remove ourselves. Let's extricate ourselves completely from X and put all our eggs in Y's basket, because Y is somehow more malleable, more perfect. I, I would disagree that Parliament is more malleable. Okay, it's next just next point. Next point in his email. Economy. Mm. To put it briefly, I think that the economic arguments on both sides are a bit of a moot point. Yes, after an exit from the EU, there will be an economic hit, as with any market once uncertainty is injected into it, which I think the current Prime Minister could mitigate if he wasn't fanning the flames, as I think the uncertainty element could be quashed for either outcome, meaning the markets and thus the people won't have to take a hit. From my understanding, inside the EU, Britain has more obstacles to go through to make big trade deals with prosperous trade blocks, having to get permission of sorts from the EU before it does so. However, as far as I'm concerned, businesses make trade, not governments, and wherever is the most beneficial for businesses to make deals is where they'll make them. If we leave, I see our company, uh, our economy prospering, <laughs> not floundering we have the potential to streamline necessary regulation and remove unnecessary regulation to make Britain a better place for business. Oh, God. This is, he's read a book. Dan Hannan's book. Mr. Privatise the NHS, Dan Hannan's book, yes. Um, it's naive in extremists to suggest that um, once you've left a trading block, you will suddenly no longer have to adhere to any of the standards yes. or regulations of that trading block. All it means is that, that, again, that trading block can be much more arbitrary in what it demands of you, tariffs and so on, and yep. B, you will have absolutely no say in anything iniquitous in that trading block. It will be nothing to do with you. you all you're doing is you're removing any possibility of influence on that trading block. Um, now, you, you could say, fine, we're not going to sell you our services or goods or whatever. Protectionists within that trading block will be more than delighted. So, no, that's... Uh, I disagree. And every trading block has its own rules and mores. So a company can't just say, actually, I want to trade with you and, you've, and, and I'm going to do it and tough luck. As for the um, streamline regulations, which regulations... Unless you name a regulation you want yeah. to streamline, I'm not taking that argument. Well, and then that's that's the bendy bananas crap. Or perhaps yes. perhaps the regulations you'd like to streamline are the are the regulations that were streamlined before the the, the massive uh, 2007 2008 banking crash caused by the streamlining of those regulations. Maybe those ones. 
I think he needs to read his own argument back and just see when he says things like, um, yes, there will be a financial hit, but I don't think there needs to be a financial hit. Yeah, you, you know, can't. You it's can't not a just coherent argument. Also, you can't just. The, no, the prime minister couldn't just say everything will be fine because yes. even if he even if he believed that, that would be delusional. Because he speak. What is he going to speak for everyone in the EU? Is he going to? You can't speak for the market any more than you can speak for the weather. Markets act in ways that are slightly chaotic, and as soon as you, as I said, as soon the people. individuals sort of take the temperature of a nation in a very impressionistic way and that then spreads across markets in a way that you can't predict so no there's no way that you can tell all you can tell is there will be uncertainty and there will be chaos whether that chaos and uncertainty ends up in our favor or not well you can take the bet if you want to but you wouldn't have any rational basis for doing that his next thing is security this is something I really mm. cannot get my head around. If we stay or leave... Hang on, I, he's saying that's all you are, sorry. No, he's saying that. Okay. If we stay or leave, I don't see intelligence agencies choosing to share more or less intelligence, whether we are in or out of the EU. And if there is a price to pay for this intelligence once we leave, then I think paying for it is a price worth paying to, Why? Ensure, to ensure our democracy. What democracy? Uh, security, I don't see, uh, you know, yeah, insur- security agencies, intelligence will be shared. But I think security is more meta in that the point of the EU is uh, the, the red tape and the bureaucracy and making sure that uh, there is a big, messy system in place is actually genius in its own meta way because it me- it's, it's what's kept us muddling along since the Second World War and not entering into another one. The fact that um, Germany and France can spend most of their time arguing over common agricultural policy <laughs> is nicer than rattling sabres at one another. So if you talk about security, remember why this union was formed in the first place, really. It's oh. easy to forget what Europe was like before there was oh, any... God, yes. Hmm. It's not. And hey, here's the thing, though. It's not that easy. It's not that easy to forget. No. There's lots and lots of I don't know movies and books and and, and TV shows about what Europe used yeah. to be like. Do you remember? Yeah. It was quite loud. Yeah, it was quite loud and fractious. Yeah. And you know, everybody had their own a, democracy. Didn't lots they? of banging noises. Yeah. Here's the next one. I better get through quickly. Immigration. Here's the big one. Mm. I think borders should be equally discerning, no matter where you are coming from. In its current form, citizens from outside the EU have a harder time entering Britain than those from the EU. This is because the only way a Prime Minister can reduce immigration is to make rules for those outside the EU coming into Europe tougher, which is unfair. I myself have come around to the idea that Britain needs a reduction in immigration, not because of any economic arguments, but because of cultural integration. Or a oh, lack so he's a racist. Our listener is a racist. No, oh, no, that no, a lot. Or a lack thereof. No, no, don't be unfair, John. <sighs> a pause for integration is, I think, necessary at this time. A pause. But so we can just get our culture nice and tidy before we let those mucky foreigners come in and muddle it up some more. No, I mean, I think he's thinking of the um, North England rape cultures caused by Pakistani gangs who see women as infidel women as unclean and worthy of rape. And so by redu- and it reducing immigration will make that go away by... Well, I don't think he wants to... I think he's, he wants to give more of a time of integration to happen. What? So the second generation, third generation can become 
more civilized. Right. But do not inflate my ideas about immigration, immigration as having much, if any, bearing on my decision to vote leave. I've had a few conversations with people who, as soon as they hear my stance on immigration, immediately think that is why I'm voting to leave and either infer or flat out call me a racist. There you are. Well, I think it might be because he's a racist. And then don't listen to anything else I have to say. I don't think he is a racist. I think it's perfectly acceptable. I think he is, just very gently and casually in the background. I no, think he just, does, think just doesn't unfair. like it when people have different cultures than him. No, I don't, I don't, I don't like Islamist culture. Yes, um, but, but I have to. I suspect that this is not about disliking uh, Islamist Sharia culture. I think this is more about people not adhering to British values, illusory British values. I think uh, I think you're being unfair. I think it's well, perfectly acceptable when you see women uh, are being treated in a certain way to think, I don't want the culture that allows that to happen so easily to become a greater force in society. You're being simplistic. You know, if we had a if we had a massive influx of neo Nazis into this country from a country where neo Nazism was a popular ideology, you wouldn't say, "Oh, that's just another culture." Just because a culture has an angry sky fairy associated with it doesn't impress I me. I think you're doing all the work for him. I think if we if he'd been given his own time and space, we would have heard an argument about how they just don't speak the language and they live in their own little enclaves and it was just all this crap. I think you're, you're, you, are, you are being very generous to him for, by working out a, a more reasonable argument from what he said. Do you think this gentleman has a problem with, with Janes? I don't know what that means. You know, Janes, an offshoot of Hinduism, um, pacifistic, and uh, my, 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 my grandmother's neighbour happens to be one, Mrs. Shah, and generally vegetarian. They can't travel very much because uh, and they're not allowed to kill anything. Do you think he, do you think he has a problem with, with Jane immigration? I would, I would, uh, I, don't just I don't know, I'm, just spe- brown. I'm speculating as much as you are, I suspect that if he found out that they keep to themselves and, uh, and often don't learn the language, then yes, he probably would, but I'm, I'm speculating as much as well, you are. Well, I'm going to defend our listener and say you're wrong. Okay. Because I respect the listener and you well, my point, the my you're point racist is, against the listener. My point is we don't know and his argument is, is so vague that my conclusion is equally he, as valid as yours based I on what I will agree because, it's, because he needs to be more And he precise. needs to know that. Then my point is I don't, he's probably not a racist, I concede yeah. to this, but he needs to know that my interpretation of his words is equally as valid as yours and that's how poor his arguments are. Exactly, I would agree. He needs to state his specific claims with data and with very precise arguments rather mm-hmm. than this vague hand waving i will agree with you if, yeah. if you and i would also say you know name names don't just say yeah a pause for integration if you say there is a damaging sharia islamist culture which is actually oppressing uh, mainstream muslims as well etc that's fine and we can have a we can have a discussion and we can mm-hmm. say well what can we do about that and so on if you just wave your hand and say oh you know integration i don't care that people are speaking other languages you know the fact that somebody comes in uh, and indeed has happened and runs a, uh, and brings in his family to run a Chinese restaurant and within the back of the restaurant they can't really speak English uh, uh, that doesn't cause me any psychic problems at all <laughs> indeed yeah. and I don't know Spain seems to be coping with all the British people that can't speak Spanish no that is pretty disgusting it is <laughs> no I mean that I'm not being funny no no I, think... I disagree I disagree I do not think it is necessary for a British person to, who moves to Spain to be able to speak the language I think it's probably more necessary for them not just to be a bunch of arseholes that's no, the I slight think, difference I think they should, learn, they should be polite and learn the language well you're being a hypocrite then 
I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm saying that uh, I think that it is always good to learn the language. And usually the but second... You just said you don't care if people in a Chinese restaurant don't learn the language, with which I agree. But now you're suggesting no, that when it's British people, I'm, they should. I'm, I, I'm saying the people who are brought in the, to the back of the restaurant to run it and so on. I think it is better that they do for their own sakes. Oh, and sure. If, and, and I also do care. And the reason I don't care, actually, is that... The, the second and third generation will learn English just fine, as it always happens, because they mm-hmm. have to, and it's just osmosis. Similarly, the, the point about the expat Brits, though, is that, of course, they're all barren and infertile by the time they move there. So the chances of their having any children in Spain are very limited. So it's a moot point. But I still <laughs> think they should, they should learn Spanish just because they're hideous people. Well, they are hideous people. And that would that's... help them to enjoy the culture they're living in more anyway, so for their own sakes. Anyway, last point here is... Funding from the EU, EU grants. I've seen scientists who are worried about the EU science budget and other EU grants being in jeopardy if we leave the EU. But I don't mm. see any chance of that happening. The, oh, UK, okay. the UK is a major contributor. <laughs> no, no, here's why. Yeah. The UK is a major contributor to the Large Hadron Collider, but so too are Norway and Switzerland, who are outside of the EU. It is in the best interest of the British government, financially and otherwise, to remain one of the world leaders in science and to reduce funding there would be to cut off their nose to spite their face, because government's never done that. And an EU grant, unless I'm mistaken, is just money we've given to the EU that then comes repackaged back to us. There you go. Well, that's very concerning. The, the science is, do you know what, there's some science that's a little bit smaller than the Large Hadron Collider that goes on. I think also what is, there is a bigger thing with science though, in that there are lots of um, scientific coalitions, university coalitions, where the mm-hmm. whole bureaucracy of transferring people and data and uh, discussions and conferences and everything happens within something that's facilitated and oiled by there being a, a, an EU. So you don't I have c- to go through the whole rigmarole of, a bureau- ironically, the whole rigmarole of inter-border bureaucracy every time you want mm-hmm. to share a paper. I don't, I, I, I can speak, I can speak specifics here. Laura spent years, a couple of years working on a project um, involving nanoparticles, which was done in cooperation with the Danes and um, the Italians, I think. Hmm. So there you go. Yeah, this but it's normal. It's normal for these pan-European projects to take place. And the EU helps that to happen. It yes, would be course. far more difficult if that weren't available as a substrate. So no, that it's not just the funding. It's it's the never fact- mind the fact that the British government has massively cut back on the investments in science over the last ten years. Oh my goodness! Oh yes, it's almost like they have cut off their. Um, oh, nose. it's already happened. Yes, indeed, the EU funding, the, the, that forcible repackaging of funding, is almost the only reason why there is any science funding left in the country anyway. Get rid of that. If we get yeah. rid of it, fortunately, when we get our democracy back, there'll be no pesky <laughs> science funding at all. But hooray, that's what the people will want. Oh, finally, some democracy. Hmm. We'll uh, be able uh, to vote on every decision the government makes once we're out of Europe. Of course, once, once we get our democracy back and we've pulled out of the ECHR and so on, we can then democratically vote back the death penalty That's as true, well. we, and probably will. Yes. We genuinely wouldn't be surprised at this point. No. I mean, um, we know that, that for a fact that if there were a referendum on the death penalty, it would be reintroduced into this country. Oh, only for the pedos and the yeah. uh, kiddie for murderers. Yes. But it would, but it would be reintroduced by democracy, by your it, glorious democracy that we're going would to return. Be. It would be. And here's the final thing. The EU is anti-competitive. 
As big companies can afford to abide by the many regulations set by the EU, this means that smaller companies have a bigger cost of entry into a market than perhaps is necessary. There is an assumption here that not all the regulation is necessary, and from what I've seen, I'd have to stand by that. Okay, let's assume he's correct. The regulation is a burden, blah, 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 right. and it's not necessary. Uh, how does removing oneself from the EU mean that suddenly a little company will find it easier to trade with Germany? Mm-hmm. Who will still demand that that little company be bound by these regulations and perhaps more because they no longer have the, the equal rights protection that the EU mm-hmm. would give them. How does it's almost like it would make it harder. Taking this argument completely into account, even taking all these presumptions into account that there are burdensome and unnecessary regulations that preferentially uh, treat big companies, how does removing yourself from the EU and still attempting to trade as a small company with the EU, who will still demand same regulatory compliance, just that you no longer have a say in those regulations, how will that help the small company? Can you explain? Do the devil's advocate thing again. <laughs> no chance. It's difficult. It's, silly. That one. it's just silly. It's okay. silly. It's, it's uh, because it's, it's ideological. And so therefore you'll say any old argument to make to, to justify it to yourself. U- it just UK's- feels, Europe feels wrong to people. It just feels wrong. They're taking our money and, and giving it back. And they're, uh, it's just it's bureaucracy. it's not and us bananas. it's other and bureaucracy and red tape and all blah blah uk i think maybe no sorry i think maybe what people need to do is just to uh, take apply the health and safety argument people say oh it's health and safety bloody health mm. and safety mm. think about what health and safety is and why it exists and think you know go to the health uh, the, the the website that debunks all the myths the the government website that that take does sarcastic cartoons about this rubbish um, and then just think what health and safety actually is, how it's there to protect people, to help people not be dead. Also, what's in interesting workplace. is health and every all, all health and safety legislation comes in after a string of tragedies. Yes, it's, it's not. It isn't. It doesn't just come in there because there's somebody who's sitting thinking of ways to make people's lives more difficult. There have been a string of tragedies, a string of court cases, and then often very little happens. And finally, somebody responds and says, "Let's try and do something about this." That's how almost every bit of health and safety legislation happens. It doesn't just come out of a, uh, out of a vacuum. You know, let's think about why there are rubber um, mats underneath swings and things now. It's not because mm-hmm. there was a busybody. It's because lots of children, you know, it was the, the late 70s and early 80s, uh, smashed their heads when falling off swings and died. And then finally there was legislation. There was a lot of campaigning for it, actually. And it took it's- a long time. But I remember when I was a lad, you could just wander onto a train track. Health and safety doesn't let you do that anymore. Yeah. That's literally true. When yeah. I was a kid, you could walk onto the railway. You can still do it if you're naughty. <laughs> it's so good. So, and I remember in the 80s, all these horrendous stories about kids being killed on, on, on train tracks and these advertising campaigns to try to encourage children not to play on train tracks. It still and happens then finally, Yes, I know. But now at least it's a little bit harder. At least there's a fence to climb over now. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, you can, if you can take your brain to embrace health and safety, if you can just like, press flush on your daily mail instinct and say, actually, let me look at what health and safety really is. Can I find the truth in it? Then use that, what you learn from that process and apply it to the European Union. Okay, here's the final point. UK's influence on the EU. 
diddly squat. Every legislature yeah, proposal nothing with that no, the no EU influence. Ha- no, here's what's interesting. Every legislature proposal that the EU, that the UK has vetoed, the UK lost the vote. Uh, that's an interesting misunderstanding of what the word veto means. It's also an interesting misunderstanding of what democracy is. Yes. I wish I thought we wanted more of. Yes. So there you are. I'm going to vote Brexit now because yeah, you're nasty too. to our listener. OK, you've got to go. But let's just say to final, we've to been very pessimistic. Sorry. Yeah, you've got your meeting, haven't you? Yeah, I do. Um, it would be, we've been very pessimistic about the vote on Thursday. The, but the truth is, if a lot of people who, li- who are the kind of people who listen to this podcast listen- were to well, not that go- not that listener. Not him, obviously. Uh, but we only have one listener, so you have oh, a conundrum crap. now. You're right. Oh, dear. Um, go and vote. Just go and vote. Go and vote. It could make a difference. If, if The problem here is you've got a vote for change, and therefore people who want change go get off the bottoms and go and do it. And people who want things to stay the same think, well, sitting still makes things stay the same. And old people. Yeah, no, but it, yes, I agree, old people and young people. But my the, the more key point is it, the in, instinct for staying the same is to sit still and do nothing, but that's not the case here. Yes. You have to get off your bottom to make things stay the same. Yes. Oh, dear. I feel a sense of foreboding. Well, we'll, we'll probably let's, we'll record next week after, just after the vote, shall we, and see what happens? Well, I should imagine so. Gosh. Good luck. Have, an, have a nice conference call. Auf Wiederhören. Bye-bye. <laughs>